everybody has a topic on the exam that they really just don't like. Whether it's hand therapy or psych or neuropeds, whatever it is, everybody's got a kryptonite. Well, I've got your secret weapon. If you're enjoying the podcast, I've been putting out video courses called 450 Formula. They're designed to make these giant, complex, difficult topics as simple and easy as possible, just like the podcast. You get all the big ideas, the foundational information, and you walk away with simple, easy mnemonics that make remembering everything a breeze. So if you're looking for a little extra help on those big, bad topics, or you just want to knock them all out together, then head over to 450formula.com and take a look. There's some free videos we can get a good feel for how it works. Check it out and get your 450. Hang in there. Hey, welcome back. All right, so today we're talking about part two of burns. We're going to talk about the burn rehab timeline, and it's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> uh, just as a quick reminder, the OT, um, I'm sorry, the study guides are available on otexamprepper.com, so please check that out. They are sent out via email, so if you're already subscribed, check your inbox. Um, otherwise, head to the website, otexamprepper.com, and you can get those right away. Uh, you, that's it. <laughs> that's it. All right. Hang in there. Okay. Burns round two here. So last week we talked about burns generally. We talked about some positioning stuff we talked about the different levels, severity of burns, all that kind of stuff. Um, splinting techniques, general guidelines, that sort of thing. So this week, we're going to continue on and we're just going to, I thought the best way to address a lot of this stuff was sort of what I call the burn rehab timeline. So this is from the moment someone gets burned and they start having an experience with the health you know, care system and their recovery. Uh, up until we call it scar maturation. So that's where, you know, the area that was affected is completely static. All of the healing is done and um, they're likely to kind of maintain that function without further intervention from healthcare professionals. So that can take a long time. That is one to two years for full scar maturation. So this is a long process. The first few phases happen a little more quickly and the last one is, spoiler alert, outpatient where they're back home. That's sort of where maybe most of this, you know, total chronological time is. But, um, you know, the rehabilitation phase or even acute phase can take a little longer than we might think as well. But so there's four phases. What I decided to do is we're going to talk about them quickly, very generally once. Then we're going to go back and talk about them very specifically. And then we're going to just review them really generally one more time so that you can kind of uh, recall that stuff and have it stick a little better. So there are four phases, the emergent phase, the acute phase, the rehabilitation phase, and the outpatient phase. Now, you don't need a monitor to remember these. This is just like, imagine if literally you have any experience with healthcare that's significant, let's say like uh, knee surgery, you would go through these same uh, areas. So coming straight out of surgery, you go to like the ICU. This is, again, is just like monitoring your vitals, all this stuff. And you go to like an, an acute floor. Then you go, if you need the help to inpatient rehab, and then you go, you know, home, you do home health or outpatient community reintegration, that type of thing. So this is just like the order of the healthcare system as it exists in America. So this is, uh, should be pretty easy to remember. Now, with burns specifically, there's sort of different priorities for each of these phases, and it's pretty clear based on like the milestones between them when uh, we move into which one and why that thing would be important. 
So that's what we're going to talk about and then just really briefly touch on what OT does. And then we'll go back again in a second and cover it in a little more detail. So the emergent phase, this is an emergency. They could die. That's the main concern here. We want to preserve life and we want to do everything we can to sort of be moving forward and getting them medically stable. So this, uh, the, really the only thing we do here is we um, really focus on positioning. When they present to the hospital, they'll be in the position of maximum comfort, as we talked about last time, which is the opposite of the position they probably need to be in, this anti-contracture positioning. So we're going to observe joints, see which ones are affected, and then uh, get them positioned well. That's sort of the main thing. We won't even do the full evaluation yet. We'll just kind of get a background of who this person is. Again, the OT profile. So after zero to 72 hours-ish, then the acute phase happens. Um, this is where we're really still working. They're not like in immediate risk of dying, um, but we're still working on getting the wound area, again, this burn, this affected area, healed up and closed up. So the big concern here is sort of... Um, like infection prevention, that sort of thing. So we're really, really working hard on that. This is where like a skin graft surgery is likely to happen. Um, so that's sort of a little side note about specific things to do after that. But uh, that's that's the thing. And this is where we would really start to be a little more involved. This is where we do the evaluation. This is where we really start to do um, maybe a little bit more actual movement of those limbs, range of motion kind of stuff. And we want to uh, start on some ADLs, that type of thing. Um, once the wound is closed, oh, sorry, really quick. So after surgery, there's going to be some specific notes. So yes, while we do want to be starting them doing some range of motion in the acute phase, immediately after say a skin graft, there is a time period where you need to completely immobilize that area and some, a couple positioning things to know. But, um, generally that's, that's like a really important side note, um, that we need to be careful of. So, once the wound is closed and stable, that's when we begin the rehabilitation phase. So this person is now very low risk for infection of the area. Maybe not very, but significantly lower than when this was like an open, exposed, skin compromised kind of situation. Um, and we can really begin to focus on regaining function and getting them back to uh, their ADLs and all that type of stuff. So in the rehabilitation phase, we're going to really hit hard on maintaining that range of motion. That's always a priority throughout this whole process. Um, we're going to start really getting uh, into some ADLs and especially the ADLs that are going to be new to them. So that includes getting their splints on and off, maintaining their range of motion program, and then also um, what we got, some other stuff like doing their own skin care, keeping that skin nice and moist, and also um, helping their scars form in a, in a good way with, through massage and also compression. So we're going to um, be applying compression to these uh healing areas where these scar tissue is forming because we want um, the profile of that to be nice and low, similar to the skin instead of raised up, um, difficult to move, unpliable, all that kind of stuff. So then the, the milestone to move on to the outpatient phase is obviously going home. So the assumption here is that they can go home so they can manage all this stuff either on their own or with the help of family they have available. Um, so then they move into the outpatient community reintegration phase, and this phase takes a long time. So full scar maturation is when this phase typically ends, and that can be one to two years. So this uh, this is easily probably the longest phase of all of these things. So we're going to focus on, again, continuing to make sure that their range of motion is going well, 
we can keep making changes, but just kind of making sure that they're keeping up on that and monitoring it well. Um, we're going to help them adapt to ongoing limitations despite our best efforts. They might have some issues and we're going to help them through those. Uh, and then continue, like continuing uh, compression is a big, big one and that skincare stuff. So we're just going to basically keep going on all the other things we've been doing, making sure that while they're home and sort of managing these things a little more independently, that they're doing well. Obviously, also during this phase, they're going to be getting back to a whole number of activities that probably were not a part of their daily routine when they were in inpatient rehabilitation. So they're probably going to be getting back to social settings and jobs and school and all that stuff. So there's definitely going to be some psychosocial concerns to at least be aware of as likely to come up during this period. So those are the four uh, phases kind of generally. So now I'm going to give you a way to remember um, what the priorities are at each of these levels. So last time we talked about a mnemonic to help remember OT's sort of priorities when it comes to burn rehabilitation. That mnemonic was FIRES, F-I-R-E-S. F was for feeling, talking about uh, sensory function and also pain management. I was independent. Referencing ADLs and uh, yeah, old and new, the ones that they were doing and the new ones they have to do to keep continue to manage their um, burn healing. R was for range of motion, hinting at positioning and splinting, and obviously a range of motion program to maintain that function. E was for edema, which is a big concern early, edema specifically, because uh, so we can kind of manage uh, the swelling. And then also in the long term, we're going to use this as a blanket statement for compression, even though, um, again, you know, this whole thing can be one to two years long. Edema itself may not be the biggest concern at that point, but we're still going to be using compression um, specifically for scar management. So we'll kind of include that under this E for edema. Um, just know that that compression is definitely included uh, with that. And then S is for skin care. So um, we really need to make sure that the quality of the skin is good for it to continue healing well. If it dries out, it can crack or be um, very sensitive or, uh, you know, this also scar management as the scar tissue forms if it isn't treated and uh, given the right sort of environment to mature in. It's going to be very uh, problematic for people's ability to function well. So F-I-R-E-S, and then we're going to use a mnemonic that is four words long, and then each word applies in order to the four phases of this burn rehabilitation. So the mnemonic is R fire rises sire. So our O-U-R, um, we're using that as a stand-in for just the letter R. So with that, R, just the letter, fire rises sire is, if you notice, made entirely of just the letters that are contained in F-I-R-E-S fires. So we're going to use that to help us remember what's important at what stage. As an added bonus, it also sounds like a line straight out of Game of Thrones, which is a big plus for me, except if we're talking about season eight, which totally sucked. But that's neither here nor there. So the first one, emergent phase. Again, our. So it's just R. Again, the emergent phase, the main thing we're concerned with is positioning. So we might do a little bit of splinting. We're going to observe which joints were affected and in what way. Um, we're going to make sure that they you know, are in that anti-contracture positioning as much as we can and as much as they can tolerate. Uh, and then also we'll do the OT profile here. Um, so that's a quick one. Again, remembering that this patient's life is on the line currently. And so we aren't the stars of the show quite yet. We want to make sure that they're in a good position to start that healing process well. Um, but other than that, we're a little bit on the back burner here. Uh, pun not intended. <laughs> uh, 
so next, the acute phase. Again, this is like zero to 72 hours later. So uh, this is where we do the OT evaluation. So this patient is hopefully now at least in a state of mind that is appropriate to talk with them a little bit, do an evaluation. We've already hopefully gotten the profile from the family during the emergent phase, got an idea of what this person's life is like. But this is where we can really dive in and see all the functional things that we want to and just kind of get an idea of how they're doing, what we need to focus on. So uh, for this, our fire rises sire. So this is the second phase. We're going to use the word fire to remember our priorities here. F is for feeling. Again, pain and sensory stuff. So part of the eval, we would definitely want to be seeing how their sensory function in, especially if it's a particularly deep burn, like a subdermal burn. Um, we would want to uh, be seeing if um, the sensory function distal of the burn was affected, if those nerves were damaged or whatever. Um, and then we're also going to be giving them some alternative pain management techniques. And then also just as part of this, you know, F for feeling, uh, a reminder that obviously we're going to let pain sort of govern what is, you know, how hard to push. So especially when we're doing this positioning or, you know, some early range of motion kind of stuff with them, we really want to respect that pain. So obviously nothing we do with them in terms of range of motion or positioning or even ADLs is probably going to be pleasant for them. But um, while we do want to push them and encourage them to be doing that stuff, you know, 11 out of 10 pain is not acceptable. So we want to be trying to find a balance between pain and function as best we can. And it's going to be hard, but it's just what you got to do. So FI, I is for independent. So we're going to be working on some early ADLs at this point. Uh, we're going to be focusing on some early excess, bringing in some adaptive equipment if necessary to help them kind of get back to a little bit of autonomy um, in their routine here. R is for implementing a range of motion program um, and also splinting. So we're going to keep that up. Again, we started that in the first the first phase there, but we're going to keep it up. And then specifically, we're going to talk about post-surgery in a second here, most commonly skin grafts. So there's a little side note about range of motion stuff following a skin graft that we'll cover in just a second. So F-I-R-E, E is for edema, edema management. So we're going to um, be using compression, elevation, all the good stuff for that. Uh, and then one particular note. So your skin, think of it like a water balloon. It keeps that fluid in your body. Uh, so it's kind of like um, if that. So if that's compromised, your blood pressure can also be compromised. So if we're going to be doing any kind of standing, if they have burns to a significant portion of their body or particularly burns on their lower extremities, we definitely want to be providing some kind of compression to the lower extremities before we do any kind of um, upright activity. So if we're going to raise the heart up above those legs, like sitting or especially standing, we want those legs to be compressed. We want some pressure on there to help provide that stabilization um, because the skin is not currently capable of keeping that fluid in check and you can cause some issues if you try to stand, whether that's fainting or even kind of damage to that uh, wound site. So that's a big one. <laughs> uh, then post-op, so the surgery is likely to kind of occur during this phase. Again, the acute phase ends with the wound closure being stable. So to that end, one of the common surgeries is a skin graft. That's where we take skin from another area, remove it, and apply it to the affected area. So following a skin graft, there will be a period of immobilization. 
So we're going to still be doing positioning. We want them positioned to heal in a good uh, in a good spot, depending on the location of the burn. But we definitely do not want to be moving it while it's doing that. So we don't want any shearing forces, or obviously it's, if it's over a joint, you get some creasing and that kind of thing. And it's just simply not ready to handle that for a little while. So they estimate... Again, this is all surgeon dependent. So until you get the the clearance from the surgeon, you do not move it. But typically, uh, you immobilize the donor site and actually treat it just like a burn site for two to three days. So we can think about half a week. You immobilize the graft site for three to 10 days. So like about a week, give or take, between like a half week and a week and a half. And then uh, we're going to immobilize, uh, or sorry, we're going to avoid walking if the lower extremities are involved in this at all for about a week, five to seven days. So, um, and then we're going to, so positioning rules are very similar to anti-contracture. In fact, that's the default. Um, but the one sort of, again, uh, side note here being you want to maximize surface area to the graft site. So that way it can heal in a way where, uh, so you can imagine if, uh, if it healed in a way where that joint was flexed, then it would have less surface area. And then when you tried to extend it, it would potentially rupture or be bad. So again, surgeon's discretion, anti-contracture is the default. And then you deviate from that a little bit, depending on the position of the burn in order to maximize surface area to the affected area where this graft is trying to heal. Um, but yeah, we just leave it alone. Do not do range of motion for it until cleared by the surgeon. Again, a week-ish, more or less. Okay, so, oh, and then the last thing. After a, a uh, skin graft, the very first thing you're going to do is not passive range of motion. It is gentle, active range of motion. The person themselves is the one that can feel this. They will be much more careful with it than you will. So you're going to let them move it on their own first. The very first time, you know, they're cleared to start doing this range of motion stuff. It is not you moving their arm or hand or leg or whatever back and forth. It is them. They will be doing, you know, whatever motion they can, tolerating whatever pain, sort of very, very carefully doing what they feel is manageable. Uh, and then, you know, as time goes on, then you'd move into assisting them with that and that sort of thing. But that's how you resume range of motion is gentle, active range of motion. All right. So that'll cover us for the acute phase. Again, that was F-I-R-E fire. So the the mnemonic is R fire rises, sire. So in the rehabilitation phase, we're using rises, R-I-S and then E-S. So this again uh, we move into the rehabilitation phase once the wound site is closed and stable or healing. So we start to actually have, instead of just this big burned area, we start to have something that's actually, you know, healing or grafted, but it's like skin. This area is no longer, you know, quote unquote, exposed to the external environment. There's actually some de- like degree of a barrier, some sort of skin um, on that site. So uh, rises. So you'll notice that F is not in here. That does not mean that this person will not experience pain. It just moves that means that we've kind of moved beyond the area, the, the time where that is the main, main, main concern. That does not mean that, you know, suddenly everything's fine. I got a skin graft and 10 days later, like I don't have any pain. That's not how it works. Um, but again, the priority here is not so much about pain management or sensory stuff. We've, uh, I mean, that can totally be a part of the recovery. It's just not, um, 
you know, it's not really what we're, we're focused, focused on at this point. Obviously you still want to respect pain and all that, but it's anyway, you get the picture. I'm not saying that, that pain is completely uninvolved. It's just not the most important thing. So R I S E S R is for range of motion. We're going to continue splinting and positioning and the range of motion program. Uh, (laughs) That goes through this whole process if you haven't realized yet. So one of the uh, big things here, if we're starting to develop some issues despite our best efforts, like if they're starting to lose range of motion in their shoulder or their hand or whatever, we're going to try to address that and reverse that, um, giving them more range of motion by either serial splinting or dynamic splinting. So serial splinting is just what it sounds like. That's where you make a series of splints that are slightly more aggressive each time, bringing them into that full range of motion. And then the uh, dynamic splint has, instead of you know a static splint, which is just a piece of plastic or whatever, um, a dynamic splint actually has you know, what we'd call moving parts. So this is typically like some sort of elastic element. So you may have seen these with hands and fingers, but it literally is using these elastic stuff to pull the affected area in, you know, towards that desired movement all the time. So it's applying constant tension. Okay, uh, so that's R. Next one is I for ADLs. So again, at the end of the rehabilitation phase, they are going home, uh, hopefully. So they're headed to the outpatient setting. So before that, we need to get them ready to do that. So again, what we've already talked about, again, this positioning stuff, we need to get them able to don and doff their uh, splint and whatever else on their own. We need to get them familiar enough with their range of motion program on their own to continue it without us every day. Uh, that's things we're about to talk about, um, our skin care and then scar management. We need to get them doing that stuff on their own before they can go home. And now, obviously, um, we're shooting for them to be able to do it independently or um, that, or, you know, in the case where they live with family or whatever, that they'll have sufficient help to continue that, um, you know, even if they can't pull it off on their own, that their family is well-trained enough to continue that, uh, at home. So that's, that's independent. Obviously we're hoping to get them independent in all their other ADLs as well. They can't go home if you, you get the picture. <laughs> so rises R I S skin conditioning. So we really need to keep the skin moist and uh, moisturized, lubricated, and ready to keep moving. So if the skin dries out, it could crack, that would just be bad. So you need to apply you know, some sort of lotion or other moisturizing agent like several times a day, every day. The skin just needs to remain moist. It cannot dry out or else there's going to be even more problems than we had before. So getting them, you know, First of all, implementing that and then keeping them doing it is really, really important. You'll notice that this this is new here because in the other two phases, we were dealing with a big open burn wound. You're not going to put lotion on a wound where the skin has been totally burned away. That would be, I imagine, very painful and a horrible idea. So um, there may be some skin graft kind of stuff, but again, you know, that's not really our whatever. But uh, so this is where the skin conditioning and really making sure that they're familiar with the whole process and keeping it up on their own is very important. Um, as, a, as another addition to that, we're going to talk about scar management. So massaging a scar site is very important. These scar tissue tends to be a little more fibrous. If you have a scar somewhere, you know that it's, it's kind of tougher than your normal skin. It's less flexible. But if it's a small enough area, that's fine because there's enough skin around it to flex and do whatever you need to. 
But if you have a scar over a significant area of the body and it all forms into this tough fibrous tissue, you are done. It is not flexible enough to provide you the range of motion that would be considered functional. So we need to help these these, uh, scars develop in such a way that they're more pliable than a scar just left alone would be. So massage is a big part of that. We're going to be really kind of kneading that tissue and helping it develop in a way where it's not this fibrous, tough, set-in-its-way kind of tissue. We need it to be a little more pliable than that. Um, so, And then also this uh, massage has a dual purpose. So it does that, but it also helps desensitize the area. This area of their body is probably hypersensitive and especially um, touchy to sensory stuff. So doing this kind of helps them get used to it um, kind of tell their body that, no, this area of your, your body needs to be used to a lot of input, especially, you know, they've probably, if they had a burn to say like their axillary area, their chest, something like that, you know, the clothes they've been wearing are probably different than, um, typically what they would wear normally. So especially in like your armpit area, there's a bit of shearing and stuff like that. So we need to get their skin used to that feeling. Uh, scar management. So again, we did R I S and then E slash S. So again, this is scar management, but in particular, we threw the E in there with in combination with the S cause it's scar management with an emphasis on compression. So again, scar tissue tends to be more vascular. It's got more vascular tissue than just standard, uh, uniform skin. So it tends to be raised up off the surface of the skin and that causes problems in, again, terms of like motion stuff, but it's also just aesthetically not your favorite. So, um, you know, a really dramatic burn patient, you can probably think of it and it's like these raised bumpy um, areas of the skin. And uh, to address that as best we can, we need compression to the area all the time, 24 hours a day. The only exceptions being bathing and skincare. So that's, again, like moisturizing and that kind of stuff, massage, and then bathing. That's it. Other than that, they need this compression on. And we're going to talk about, um, that's going to continue in the next phase here. It lasts until skin maturation, sorry, scar maturation, which can take one to two years. So this is a long-term game. We really need to do this compression. You're going to start with uh, some elastic bandages and sort of stuff that you apply. Um, and then you're going to, or, oh, sorry, or you could use like Ted hose or like spandex, like a biker's outfit. And then you're going to, um, order, you're going to take their measurements and order like a custom fit compression garment and two of them, obviously two or more so that while they're, you know, they'll maybe bathe or do their skincare stuff and then put it back on. They can put on the clean one and clean the one they were just wearing. Okay, so, uh, and then after that, they should be good to go home. So assuming this rehabilitation phase has gone well, they're now independent again with their ADLs and all this new stuff we've given them to do every day, like their skincare, scar management, range of motion stuff. So they can go home uh, and then they begin outpatient and kind of community reintegration. So this is where they're continuing to meet with therapy and healthcare professionals, but also they're getting back to their daily lives. So doing their ADLs on their own, probably returning to work, getting back to a lot of social settings. So this is really kind of getting back to life as normal. So the acronym here is SIRE, R-FIRE-RISES, SIRE, S-I-R-E. 
So as is for skincare, we just want to keep checking in on that, making sure it's going well um, until scar maturation, one to two years. And uh, a big focus here is also, again, um, kind of like I said, increasing skin tolerance to friction. So just making sure that, you know, that, that hypersensitivity is manageable for them, finding ways to kind of get them used to that. I is for independence, so we're going to adapt for ongoing limitations at this point. Obviously, we want to encourage independence with as much as we possibly can. That said, despite our best efforts, there may be some limitations they have in range of motion or whatever else. So as best we can, we just want to get them back to functioning as completely as they can. And uh, if we have to find some adaptive ways to work around this or that, um, particularly with new things that are coming up, like you know returning to work or social stuff or whatever, um, we will definitely, you know, put an emphasis on finding uh, unique creative ways to solve their problems. R is continuing splinting, just maintaining that range of motion program. So just making sure that it's going well, uh, making sure that there aren't any issues in the long run. We can continue to address that stuff with the splints like we talked about earlier, but just kind of checking in and making sure that that keeps up. And they're supposed to keep it up again until scar maturation one to two years later. And then E is edema. And we're not so much talking about edema here. This is definitely, we're just talking about that compression, making sure that they're keeping up on the compression to keep that scar well-managed and all that stuff. And then as a final note for uh, the community reintegration phase, like we already talked about, again, psychosocial concerns. They're getting back to a lot of stuff they weren't doing before, and it might be tough getting back to a new normal after this thing. So whether that's a referral or doing what we can for it, um, just knowing that that's likely to come up. Okay. We went through it a little more <laughs> detailed here. We're going to cover it once more, super uh, high up general level, just so you, and then let your brain kind of fill in the gaps as I talk about this stuff. Like, oh, it sounds like when I'm saying these things, hopefully you're thinking of more details than I'm saying, because that's what we're shooting for. So once again, burn rehab timeline. There are four phases. They follow the uh, <laughs> stages of most healthcare systems. So emergent, acute, rehabilitation, and outpatient. The emergent phase, we got to keep them alive. When they show up, they'll be in a bad position. We got to get them in a good one. And then obviously we'll talk to family, maybe them if they're up to it, get an idea of who they are, what's going on, what, what do we need to get them back to in the long run here. Next phase, acute phase. This is where they're no longer in immediate danger of death. <laughs> so uh, we're working on getting the, the wound site closed. That's the big picture. If they have surgery for that, we're going to immobilize for a little while, you know, a week, give or take. Um, you know, be careful of the donor site. And then also once they're getting back to that gentle range of motion, active range of motion, having them move it, not you to begin with. In general, during the acute phase, we're going to do the evaluation here. We're going to work on um, pain management and also respect the pain that they're dealing with. It's going to be substantial. We're going to be focused on some early ADLs, doing some range of motion stuff, not after a graft, but in general, we're going to begin some of that, doing some splinting. We're going to do some edema management and making sure that they're, uh, they're wrapped up, especially before we're going to do anything upright, standing, all that sort of stuff. Once the wound is closed and stable, we move into rehabilitation phase where we really focus on the function. We're going to continue splinting, try to reverse any areas that are looking trouble, like trouble with serial splinting or dynamic. We're going to do some ADLs, really focus on getting them independent in all the things they're doing before, like their ADLs, and as well as their new ones that we're giving them to do, with like skincare and all that stuff. 
Speaking of, we're going to do some skincare. Got to keep it moist. Got to massage it. And then scar management, compression, compression, compression. We got to have compression on there all the time, except when you're bathing or doing the lotion. Once they return home, they're in the outpatient phase. They will be just kind of maintenance on all this stuff. Plus, they're going to be getting up to a whole lot of new stuff. So uh, making sure that, you know, if however we can help with their return to work, education, social situations, any of that stuff. Um, it's likely that they're going to have trouble with uh, some of these new things, particularly the social aspect of it. And particularly if the burn affects a visible area of their body or affects their function dramatically. Um, so just knowing, expecting that, doing what we can and also referring if we need to. And the whole process takes about one to two years until full scar maturation. And that's it. Okay. We went through it three times. I'm sick of talking about it. You're probably sick of hearing it. Uh, again, if you want to review, the study guide should be great. And I think that is it. I hope this was helpful. <laughs> Sorry if three times through it was too much. Whew, I'm, uh, I'm tired of talking now. So I will let you guys go, but you rock and hang in there. If you've got a second, feel free to subscribe. And uh, oh, please, if you could rate the show, review the show on iTunes, it really helps. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys rock. Don't let the test get the best of you. Hang in there. Last but not least, music this episode was provided by the man with the jams himself, Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks, Kevin.